Welcome everyone to the SC Mafia Strength and Conditioning Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Ryder. Together we'll speak with Springfield College's many strength and conditioning alumni and hear about their experiences firsthand. The goal is to bring together the great strength coaches Springfield College has produced into one open forum. That being said, hope you enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the SC Mafia Strength Conditioning Coaches Podcast. My name is Connor. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Scott Leach. He is in his fourth year at the University of Rhode Island as a director of SNC, and he's held that role since being promoted in July of 2021 from an assistant SNC coach. So, Scott, go ahead, tell the listeners about yourself and your path into coaching. What's happening? Uh, I appreciate having me on because. You know, I am a Springfield guy through and through. Uh, I went and played football, oof, I'm getting old now, all the way back in 2010. So 2010 to 2013, I played um, at Springfield College, was lucky enough. Coach Sarah Sulo, the, the football coach now, was my offensive coordinator back in the day. Um, coach DeLong, when he was still there, was the head guy running the place. And uh, I was probably one of the first people at Springfield um, to kind of do the stay there for grad school thing. That wasn't really a thing when I, when I went through school. Um, but I finished my undergrad a year early and said, Hey, um, I'm going to stay for one more. Let's, and, uh, you know, let's keep playing football. And lucky enough, I was in the master's program for strength and conditioning as well. Uh, Springfield college is huge for me and my development and, and where everywhere I've been. So, um, you know, from internships at Brown university, Albany, Missouri, um, in Springfield College's own weight room itself. And then uh, from there, I was lucky enough to go to Merrimack College, work for another Springfield College alum, Mike Kamal. Uh, I was the assistant there for five years in charge of football, basketball, baseball, men's and women's track, women's lacrosse. Uh, so I had a loaded up, loaded up roster there. And then, yeah, like you alluded to, I had a chance in 2020 um, to come here as an assistant for another Springfield College alum, Rich Johnson, so Springfield College is without it, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, he was actually my strength coach my freshman year of college. So talk about a full circle moment, um, being his athlete and then coming back and, and working for him here at, at URI. Uh, but I'm from here. I'm a Rhode Island guy, born and born and raised. I grew up. I played high school football here. I did camps at URI as a kid. Um, I was not a 300-pound offensive lineman, so they were like, uh. But Springfield said you can – be 240 and play offensive line. So different, different worked out for me. Um, Rich Johnson left and I had an opportunity to get promoted in 2021 to be the head strength coach. And then, uh, you know, this past spring as well as promoted to an associate director role. So uh, a little bit more influence, a little bit more of a seat at the table, um, hopefully a little bit more of the decision-making process and get my hands involved in that. Um, but to be the Rhode Island guy in charge of the state of Rhode Island is pretty cool. Um, something I always take a lot of pride in. Awesome, man. Awesome. And good to see all those SC connections. So get right into it. In your director position now, having been an assistant, having had, you know, seven, eight teams, uh, you're now expected to take that 10,000 foot view of the SNC department and where you fit within the greater whole of athletics. And now it's great. You have that, that seat at the table. How do you manage to have so many moving parts and keeping them under control and utilizing your staff and things you have learned to maybe prioritize or delegate? How have you, over time, changed those things as you've 
fit yourself into this position? Yeah, so I would I would say early on in my career, primarily probably by choice, you know, by choice and also just the, you know, when you're a younger coach or an assistant, you're just in that role of um, taking on additional responsibility, doing as much as you can, trying to make as big of an impact as possible. Uh, the older I get and the busier I get, I realize I can't do everything myself. Uh, so that's when it's, okay, what is the best thing for us? And if, if our objective here at URI is to win championships and provide a, a lifelong positive impact through the field of strength conditioning, um, you know, we want people to come back 10 years from now, want them to come back for homecoming. And I want the weight room to be a stop on the tour. Like, Hey, let's go back. Let's see if coach Leach is in the weight room. Let's go see what's going on there. Let's see if they got any new equipment. Like that makes my day when we have alumni come back and do that, because that means they enjoyed their time here. And not everybody can say that about their college experience. So providing a great experience and then obviously winning championships is an important piece of the puzzle as well. So how can we answer those two things? And, you know, I can't do everything myself. Can't train every team anymore. Um, it wouldn't be a, a great experience for our student athletes, right? You would get one sixteenth of me and it wouldn't be the same thing. So the most important step in a direct role is hiring the right people around you, getting phenomenal assistance um, that can take some of the teams off your plate, can take some of the responsibilities off your plate and um, just provide a, a great experience for our student athletes. So um, I think I've done a, a really good job of hiring some phenomenal people here. Um, I wish I could keep them all. There's times where they don't stay and that's okay. Uh, but, you know, it's my job to provide a great experience and hopefully keep them here for a long time. The other thing when it comes to, to hiring the right people and getting the right people here is, is taking care of your people as well. Um, so I take a lot of pride in making sure that our assistants uh, have a great quality of life. Um, you know, the, I, I always want to pay more. I think we're getting better. I think we've done a good job of increasing the salary. Um, over the past couple of years, we've increased one position from part-time to full-time. Um, we bumped the salaries up on, on the other two positions as well. And then we're hiring one more person next year. So the salary pool itself has increased. I always want that to get bigger. But in the meantime, what other things can I do? I can make sure that you are not overwhelmed with six, seven, eight teams. I can make sure that we divide that workload pretty evenly. I can make sure that when there's time off, you take that time off and you recharge the batteries. And, you know, if you tell me that you have a wedding to go to or a vacation planned with family and things like that, um, it's, it's always, you know, how can we help each other out? How can I cover you while you're on, you, you're gone for a wedding, whatever it may be. Uh, cause I've been at other places where the expectation is you show up at 6am and you clock out at 6pm and, um, you don't, you don't win with that strategy. In my opinion, I don't think that as a coach, I don't think you coach that well, if you've been on the floor for 12 hours. Um, so, you know, I always try to provide a great experience for our coaches on staff, because I know that if they're feeling good, if they're happy about what they're doing, that energy is going to radiate into the training experience they provide the student athletes. So take care of your people and then your people will take care of everyone else. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's, it's double edged sword because when you prepare your staff that well, then they're ready to go take other jobs. And so they have to leave sometimes, but that's okay. Uh, and you know, you, you already touched on this a lot, but I personally have followed URI. I'm a New England guy as well. So I've been checking up on the strength and conditioning department for a few years now. And uh, everyone who has been seeing what URI Athletics has been doing has seen 
weight room upgrades, staff upgrades, like you talked about, um, just more positions and more resources for the student athletes and the staff as well. So I think everyone wants to be able to build at the rate that URI is changing at and having a staff and a training environment like URI has built over the past four plus years and since you've taken over as well. So how else have you seen it change and how has the department continued to grow? How have you continued to grow? And even touching on the associate AD role, getting more resources and vouching for your staff and your department. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is I just, I showed up at the right time, right? So we, uh, we just finished an $8 million practice gym for basketball. Um, the state just allocated 40 something or 50 something million dollars over the next couple of years here to rebuild our football stadium, um, to, rebuild our outdoor track because we have won x number of championships and we don't even have an outdoor track which is pretty wild um revamp our softball field revamp our baseball field revamp our soccer field so it's it's fun that i've jumped in at this at the right time that uri and uri athletics is on the rise as well um you know i'm probably like 0.5 percent of that you know a fraction of that um success i'm just happy to be a part of it so I think tied with that, people want to win. People want to win championships. And, and one thing we've tried to do a big job of is highlighting the value of strength and conditioning and how much that we can provide um, all of our teams in terms of uh, whether it's numbers, whether it's performance stuff, whether it's being a little bit more active at practice or being involved in um, speed and agility sessions if our coaches want to run those things, is how can we show our value? How can we provide um, – a high quality service beyond just, you know, clocking in, hitting the weights, clocking out. Uh, I think especially nowadays, it's more than that, especially um, in, in this day and age of transfer portal. We have kids that are joining us that have been at other schools and have seen it done other ways. And if you don't provide a high quality service, they're going to go to a place that does provide a high quality service. So and uh, I mean, kids are on social media all day, every day. So they're pretty educated as well. They know what good training is. They know what bad training is and they don't want to be a part of that. So in terms of my own growth, especially stepping into an associate director role, um, I only have so much bandwidth, right? I only have my, my brain power. I'm not the smartest guy in the room to begin with. So I only have a limited power, um, to work on projects. And if there are things I want to do, like I want to advocate for more, uh, funding for our nutrition department, I want to build out, um, you know, we started a sports science initiative. I want to continue to build that out. That takes time and that takes me, you know, locking the door and getting and getting some serious work done in the office. So um, I've had to be a little bit more um, of a delegator. I have to pass responsibilities off and, and trust that my assistants can get it done. Um, that being said, I will never pass off anything I can't do myself. And, you know, my guys know that. And that's why they do things for me because they know if they don't get it done, I'm just going to go do it myself. Um, so there's always the threat of, I will outwork you. Uh, you, if I'm asking you to do this, I'm not asking you to do busy work. I'm asking you because it would legitimately make my life easier and would allow me to do other important busy things. Um, but if you can't handle it, I'll handle it myself. So, uh, I'm trying to be a better delegator, but I've still got that dog in me every once in a while. Um, to get some certain projects done. Everyone 
everyone struggles with that. I feel like I've never met anybody that is a strength and conditioning coach that hasn't struggled with delegation. Uh, so you're not alone there. But uh, do you know any strategies? Uh, I'm just jumping this one on you, but do you know any strategies that have you've found to be successful in getting yourself to delegate things? Uh, you know, so we, we established, and some of them are, are funny, but, you know, we established quote unquote director of certain responsibilities. So, you know, I'm obviously director of everything, but then I'm also the director of the schedule, right? So anything scheduling related, planning when teams come in and lift, it has to go through me. Um, but you know, somebody is going to be director of weight room appearance. Somebody else is going to be director of technology and making sure our Tendo units are charged up, make sure all of our jump mats are working properly. If something goes wrong, the director of technology is the one that's going to work on that issue. I can't be the one when a Tendo breaks to then reach out to the company and go get an exchange. Again, that the, the lines are clearly established there. Uh, the other thing that I, I'm a believer, I'm not a big meeting guy. Um, I, I like to think that we're all adults and we can handle our business. Now, there will be some informal check-ins. And, and if I do feel like there needs to be a little bit of heat or pressure to get something done, I will put a meeting on the calendar so that you know when people know all right there's a meeting all right this is serious i really need to provide my best and make sure my best gets done but i am uh, not a micromanager by any means but i am counting on you to do your job so i think when there's trust involved and i trust you know my staff to handle certain responsibilities um they'll come back and deliver for me and i'll always take if you handle your business i will take care of you and make sure that you know when you need time off or things like that like i'll, I'll take care of you so Cool. All right, we'll pivot a little bit. You post yeah. a lot of cool stuff on Instagram from what I've seen, and I know a lot of people engage with the the content that you post regarding training and programming and all that stuff, so I know people want to hear about that. What right now are some of your favorite programming philosophies, ideas, rabbit holes that you jumped down, anything like that? Yeah, I mean... uh if I had to pick one person that probably has influenced me the most in the past year, it's probably Tony Holler and his feed the cats philosophy. Even the past couple of years, it's, it's definitely a feed the cats approach. Now I, I take it with a grain of salt because you know, if you do feed the cats and then you have a coach that doesn't believe in that when they go back to practice, those kids are going to get crushed. Right? So it's, I wish everyone was on board a little bit more with, with that theory of um, minimal effective dose and things like that, but it's trying to find a balance of the two. But being competitive, being athletes, um, making speed and power and agility work, making those the priority, and then also making sure we get our strength work in as well. Um, all of Tony's ideas, and I was able to meet him last year for the first time, um, and he's a phenomenal human being. That's the first and foremost piece is it doesn't matter what you do training wise. If you're not a good person, he's a phenomenal person. So, um, I would say his, his programming, his style has influenced me, uh, other things that I'm kind of playing around with. And, and it's funny, I actually went back to it. Um, so I did an internship at the university of Missouri way back in the day, specifically because I wanted to meet Brian, Mann. it was honestly like one of the only re I wanted to see what SEC football was all about. I wanted to meet Brian, Mann, and, um, you know, his APRE, I think, is still gold. A uh, couple tweaks and a couple modifications. But I actually, for the first time in a couple of years, have brought that back for women's lacrosse and women's tennis on some of our um, 
some of our bigger strength movements and uh, the the results have been phenomenal. And just putting weight on the bar and challenging because sometimes our female athletes get comfortable and pick the same weights over and over. Um, and with APR, you can't do that. You know, if you succeed and you have a good day, you're rewarded with an even heavier day next week. So um, they've answered the bell really well. And, and it's something programming wise. I'm, I'm going to remember that it's in my back pocket and potentially use it again in the future. Um, so I would say as of late, that's probably one thing, at least from a lifting standpoint, but then, um, you know, from the field work and the speed and agility stuff, um, Tony Holler has been a big influence. So I guess that kind of leads into the next question as well for SNC coaches working in football. And this might be a seat at the table kind of conversation too, with, uh, in terms of, you know, football skilled coaches. How have you balanced the aerobic needs with speed development needs and then along with the the skill development needs and quote-unquote practice? Yeah, so I mean, I think out of all of those things, I think the aerobic need gets thrown to the wayside. Um, You know, we, from a conditioning standpoint, you know, we switched everything over last year for the most part to, uh, you know, pretty, pretty alactic work only. So um, other than games, I mean, we would play, you know, one-on-one tag games or two-on-two tag games, things like that. And some of those can stretch beyond 10, 12 seconds, but for the most part, all of our conditioning was 10 seconds or less. So, um, we really hammered home the alactic stuff. And I think it really enhanced our speed and power work. Um, one thing I've always debated about, uh, and have had conversations with some people like Justin Kuhn, who's another strength coach out there, um, is the benefit of the aerobic system in general. So putting in some zone two type conditioning for, especially your bigger guys, um, would go a long way. The hard part is how do you make that fit in the NCAA schedule? And unless it's voluntary, uh, it's very hard to fit in. Like, when am I going to take the offensive line and go put them on bikes and have them, you know, pedal at 120 beats per minute for 30 minutes? Like that one, they're going to be incredibly bored Two, I'm going to be incredibly bored, um, but it's, it's good for your health. It's going to be great for um, overall recovery. So that is something I've been pondering. And if anyone's got some answers on how do you put more uh, steady state aerobic work into to big old football players, let me know. Um, but other than the aerobic stuff, in terms of balancing uh, position work, it's one of those things I think as long as you have a good relationship with your coaches, it's not usually a huge deal. Um I know some places will do more in, in the summer in terms of seven on sevens and individual work and things like that. We have a pretty good balance of they let me um, make sure that speed and power and stuff are the priority. Um, example, we had our, our wide receivers coach, who was a new wide receivers coach, show up this summer. And he was doing a little too much with them in the summer. And, uh, you know, it was like a day before or two days before our laser top speed day and our kids take a lot of pride and and running the fastest laser times they can they want to be on the leaderboard they want to be the top 10 fastest kids on the team um so we had that conversation with the coach like hey i love what you're doing i know you're trying to kind of start to instill some things and and install some stuff um but it's impacting strength conditioning and and right now this is the focus and we've we've had a good relationship so it's a give and a take and and ultimately it's having conversations with people Yeah, and then pivoting more into the data collection side of things, I, a lot of coaches I feel struggle with the the time management maybe of collecting data and then analyzing it. I know you said you started a sports science initiative at URI. 
Where do you think that data collection role fits in with being an SNC coach so that you can remain on the floor? Do you find that some is more useful and some less? Uh, what are things that you found success with in collecting? And then how have you refined that, that process over time? Yeah, so I um, I have a second master's degree in data science. That was one of the things I did when I was at Merrimack College. And I always tell strength coaches, you know, if you if you feel like you're not getting paid enough, um, find out what else you can get from the school. So that second master's degree was completely free. I didn't have to pay for it. And uh, I only took one online class a semester over, I think, like a year and a half. Or it was one class every eight weeks. So uh, I always put that story in there, like see if there's other things you can do to get paid and it may not be financially, but a second master's degree has helped me, um, make more money at not only this job, but other jobs as well on the side. So anecdotic side, um, in terms of data collection, I don't think for strength coaches, you need to do anything super crazy, but you do need to track progress. Uh, I think too many coaches just put a program out there and then, and then run it and then make their changes for the next three weeks and keep it moving. One thing that as, um, as an associate director now, I see that they want to see progress. So the athletic director says, Hey, how are we getting better? What numbers do you have to prove it? And everyone's got different numbers for sure. One thing that we're trying to do as a department is kind of standardize it a little bit. So at the bare minimum, everyone does a vertical jump. Now football may back squat. Women's tennis may front squat. Women's lacrosse may only do trap or deadlift. So, um, there's no standard there, but as long as you're showing progress, say, hey, are we getting stronger from a lower body standpoint? Are we getting stronger from an upper body standpoint? Now you can show it multiple ways. You can show pushes and pulls if you want to um, max out your chin-ups and bench press and things like that. But um, keeping some sort of log, keeping some sort of record book, the other thing that we do is, is we keep that because we do have staff turnover. We do have coaches that leave. We keep all of that on file. That way the next person can come in and not only see what the previous program, what the previous strength coach was doing, but also um, where do all of our athletes stand progress-wise? Um, what numbers do they have? And you know, it gives you a little bit more of a story of what that student athlete is. Um, we also use it for an accountability standpoint. So um, when people want to know, hey, how come I'm not playing? All I have to do is print out their numbers and their progress over the past three years. And that is one part of the story. So if they're not a hard worker at practice, if they're a person that skips study hall and they haven't made tremendous progress in the weight room, you know, the puzzle pieces start coming together. So um, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I think sometimes we obsess about it. I think if you have the more technology you have, the more resources you have, then it's more likely that you should find a way to have somebody on staff that can handle that. Um, like we don't have GPS yet with football. Um, I think I would love to do that, but I also know at the end of the day, if we end up having GPS units for all of our athletes, it's going to get way more complicated and I don't have enough hours in the day to handle that. So that would be a case of, I can only do so much if we add someone on staff or, um, you know, we have a master's of data science program or master's of some sort of data science program here at URI. And we've been able to pluck kids out of that master's program to come do an internship for us. So some of that data collection, some of that number crunching stuff, um, they've been able to do and um, even create streamlined processes. So last year we had a, a trial unit with GPS. We took that information, we put it into some R coding stuff, 
And within 30 seconds, it would, you know, change all the units from meters to yards, whatever it may be. Um, get rid of the junk stuff that we don't need. And it would spit out a report and say, here's what practice looked like today. So um, it's leveraging the resources you do have available, whether it's, you know, other people on campus or other departments on campus. And, um, you know, I always say under deliver and over, was this? Yeah. Under deliver. No, over deliver under promise. Under promise, over deliver. So I say, I can't, I can't promise that we're going to, you know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. I can't promise you that. But then when it does come to report, I say, Hey, I wasn't able to do everything you asked, but I was able to do this, this, and this. And, um, yeah. Under promise, over deliver. Yeah. That is super cool. And I, you might have some people stealing that idea of plucking kids from data science, uh, programs to to come to internships because i mean that kind of just blew my mind that uh that not everybody is doing this and i'll give you i'll give you one story i'll give you one story too we're working on this semester and granted this only works because i'm the one kind of driving the bus and driving the ideas and sometimes our data science kids don't have a sports background so that makes it a little bit harder Um, but one project we're working on this year is taking at least we'll start with football and then we'll expand it out from there. But take those relevant KPIs, whether it's vertical jump, max speed, lower body strength, upper body strength, whatever it is. And um, can we compare everyone on the team, probably positionally would make the most sense, um, where they rank. So let's get Z scores on everybody. And then from there, can we create a total score of athleticism, uh, TSA? And this isn't you know, this isn't unique by any means. This has been done plenty of times before. Um, but taking the information that we already have readily available, and then can we create a total score of athleticism? And then from there, we can say, okay, if a high school kid comes in and they can jump this and they can run this and they can lift this, um, we can estimate where they would fit on our team. So that would be a top two receiver on the team if they had those numbers coming in from high school. Um, the other thing we can do, and we're going to play around with it once we get the TSA um, number generated, is play around with how does that compare to our on-field numbers. Um, the biggest one I'm looking at is number of snaps played in a season. So you would assume the athletes with the highest total score of athleticism are the ones that have the most snaps played. You know, So if you're an athlete, you're going to be on the field. Now, if you're an athlete and you're not on the field, it's very telling that there's something wrong there, whether you don't understand the playbook or you have other, you know, you're undisciplined, whatever it may be. So it'll be a fun problem to solve. Um, but again, you need to have the right kids in the room. And we have some some awesome sports science interns um, this semester and then previous semester as well that want to solve those problems, which is great because I don't have time to solve all those problems. Yeah, but even just using your skill level to leverage kind of having that data science background and being able to again delegate that responsibility to somebody that wants the responsibility i mean i i can't even count the number of people i've talked to that don't have time to build out their own dashboard and want someone else to do it for them or to steal somebody else's and those are viable, but at the end of the day, like who's collecting the data and analyzing it? The strength coaches. So if you can find somebody to delegate that to, then it takes a whole 
full-time job off of your plate and you're able to just focus on your job even if you don't have those normal sports science resources that you kind of see at power five schools if you don't have that available then you know you still have a resource that allows you to take stuff off your plate so i think that's super cool and it, and it shows you know we don't have all the resources right now um but this is what we can do with minimal resources provide me with more resources, provide me with a little bit more ammo and we can do something really special. So you can't go out and say, hey, I need GPS. I need this and that. If you don't show them what you can do when you get it in your hands, you know, that's just, you can't just ask for money. You can't just ask for things. You need to prove um, that one, you deserve it. And two, it would actually help the department. Yeah. All right. So any advice for, young people trying to get into the field, young coaches, or any advice for people who are in the field, maybe they're an assistant looking to get into a director role, maybe they're a director trying to get into an associate role, maybe they're just trying to get into collegiate. Uh, any advice for any of those populations? Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to sound like the uh, the old coach, but I think especially as a, and when you're young and when you're first in this field, it's trying to do as much as you can and and just working your tail off. Um, you know, there's only a certain amount of time where you're going to be able to work from six to six and have no problem doing that. You know, when I was younger, I had no problem being in the building all day, every day um, because I didn't have a life. I didn't have responsibility. I didn't have anything outside of this. So it's like, why not put everything I can into this while I still have the time and, and the energy and I want to put that forward. Um, so. I'm not, you know, it's just being hungry. And when you do that, when you do want to go walk the halls and have conversations with coaches and, and sit down with them and spend an hour of your day, when nowadays I'm like a free hour, I need that free hour to get some other stuff done instead. So I think younger coaches is is put your head down and, and do as much as you can and work as hard as you can. And, um, you know, if you, if you feel like you're not getting paid enough, you can do things on the side. You can work on the side for sure. But the only way you level up in this field is if you do a great job at where you're at. And then if you're not appreciated, eventually you're going to find a new place that will appreciate you. Um, but if you are appreciated and you are not compensated and people care about you, people will take care of you and find a way to help get you compensated, whether it's at that school or they help you find the next step in your journey. Um, but that doesn't come without the effort. So putting in putting in the effort, I think, is the thing that gets you where you want to go. Um now, granted, I was making less than 30 grand for the first five years of my career. And there were a lot of days where I was like, am I just going to drop all this and go to Home Depot and pick up an application? Like, you know, when is the opportunity going to open? When is the door going to open up for me? I've been knocking and knocking and knocking. And, uh, you know, when it did finally open, it's only been successful and more success from here on out. So um, keep doing good things and good things happen to people that do good things. So um, just keep working. And then a couple of quick hitters just to finish this off here. Cool. Fondest memory you have of your time as an SNC coach or at Springfield College or both? Ah, man. Um, so one thing I enjoy, and I don't get to do it too much anymore, I miss when I was a GA at Springfield, we had a, we had staff training. And staff training was the best, man. There was the, you're, you're 23 
you know, full of testosterone. I, I, I think about the weights I lifted then and I'm like, man, I would hurt my back now. Just I'm hurt my back thinking about it, but myself and, and being around all the right people at the same time. So it was myself, it was Joe Gilfetter, who's at Fordham now, uh, Mike Morgan, who's a high school football strength coach down South, Dan Vega, um, who is in minor league baseball, uh, Pete Rams, who's at Texas A&M, uh, Bill Bashand, who's now a private trainer in Boston. So there's plenty of other people and, uh, just, just training, you know, it's one of those things I, I still lift, I still get after it. I still, you know, I was out there running the stairs this morning, but, um, the camaraderie and having the people around you, uh, the older you get, it's harder to find that. I think that's why a lot of strength coaches kind of shift gears and they do jujitsu or something like that, because you get to go to a class, you get to hang out with people and you get to, you get to exercise and sweat with them. So, um, yeah, I would say staff, staff training at Springfield college was uh, a heck of an experience. I got some stories. Maybe, uh, when we end the interview, I'll give you a good story. We'll save it for another day. Yeah. And we, they, we still did that. And, uh, even like Brian Sutton, who's at William and Mary, he started the 5am club while, while we were at Springfield, it was just him and, uh, maybe six or seven undergraduate and graduate interns and, they just got in and trained at 5 a.m. I, I was never able to go just because of my commute in the morning. But, I mean, talk about just a group of people getting after it completely alone but together in the weight room. And I, I miss it, too. It's I mean, I've only been in minor league baseball for a year, but, you know, you're training by yourself all the time. Yeah, it's a different and- grind for sure. It's a different grind. You, you, there are days that you just know that you don't want to do it, but you know, got to stay healthy. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> which is obviously important as a strength and conditioning coach, but uh, I, you definitely miss the camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, what or who are your go tos for professional development right now? Yeah. So, um, like I said, Tony Haller is awesome. I think, uh, Les Spellman puts out some great stuff as well in terms of speed development. Um, I'm always trying to steal stuff from Joey G down at Florida Atlantic. And then, uh, you know, I, I pull from everywhere. And and the biggest thing is, like, if I see something on social media I like, I will go directly to that person. And I'll, I'll jump in the DMs and say, hey, I like this. Can we jump on the phone and connect? And um, I hate being the person that wastes your time because you're like, what am I, what do I get out of this? Why am I going to answer all your questions if I don't get anything out of it? So I try to provide value in return. And, um, you know, if somebody wants to have a conversation, I, I really appreciate it. And I try and reciprocate, um, their generosity. So, um, those are some people off the top of my head that definitely come to mind. And then, uh, you know, there's some, uh, I try to read some other books as well. I try to, when it comes to reading, I try and get away from the S and C stuff a little bit. And it's been a little bit more leadership. It's a little bit more business stuff lately. Um, I would say the latest book I read is 10X is Greater Than 2X, which is a really cool book and a really cool mindset belief. So, And then last one, biggest influences in the field to date and what have you taken away from those people? Yeah, so I, I'll give two. I mean, I, I think two people that I think about and try and I want to emulate and I want to uh, to kind of be like them. One is Kurt Hester down at um, Tulane. And his biggest thing is like he is who he is. He's he's real, he's genuine, and, and people 
love and respect him for that. And not just, you know, strength coaches that look up to him, but also um, all the places that he's been. He gets to be himself. And I never, and I've, I've said that since I got here, I'm never going to um, be a kiss ass. I'm never going to do things. I'm never going to put athletes through things that I don't believe in, things that I don't agree with. Um, I am who I am and these are my values and I stick to them. And I think people respect me for that. Um, but Kurt Hester does that as well. So he's someone I look up to there. Um, and then recently, uh, you know, I had a, uh, my first son in August and, um, one person I look up to and, and some people hate him. It's a, it's a love or hate him situation, but Kier Wenham flat is another one, the rugby strength coach. And, uh, you know, some days don't get me wrong. He pisses me off too, but, um, you know, he left the field because of the situation that he was in. And the biggest thing is he was trying to provide for his son and he's trying to provide a phenomenal life. And, um, I didn't really understand it. You know, I, I kind of saw it and I didn't really understand it until I had my own son. Um, and now I understand where my priorities are. My priorities are my family, um, first and foremost. So, uh, that's another person right there who's, he's values and he knows what his values are. His values are taking care of his family and providing phenomenal life and doesn't allow anything to, um, shift or move or influence those values at all. Yeah. As soon as you said some people hate him, I knew exactly what you were going to say, but I, I love I love Kier and I love uh, Kurt Hester as well. I think he was he was actually just on a podcast talking about being genuine in his role at Tulane. I, I would shout it out. I don't remember what the name of the podcast was, but I think it was the, the Strength Coach Network. Oh, there you go. There you have it. Um, so, but yeah, both both great great people and just overtly genuine in everything they do. Scott, I want to get you out of here. I want to give you a shout before we go. So 30 seconds, shout yourself out. Give us your uh, your social media handles. How can people reach you, talk to you, follow your stuff? Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know what they are. Uh, it's either Scott Leach 72. That was my playing number back in the day, or S Leach 72. Just type my name and you'll find it. Uh, uh, it's, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or whatever it may be, uh, just shoot, shoot me a message, shoot me an email. We're always looking for interns as well. Um, so if you actually want to coach <laughs> and not just like full towels and white benches, like I will put you on the floor and coach, uh, let me know, come on down here. The nice thing about our internship is that, um, you know, we have a lot of beach houses down here, so you'll end up renting out a beach house. And when the weather turns good, you can go out and hang out in the beach after coaching all day. Um, or in the summer, we get everything done in the morning. So you have all afternoon to lay on the beach. Uh, pretty sweet internship, if you ask me. So, uh, yeah, it's out there. If you care enough and you want to talk to me, you'll find a way to talk to me. Cool. 